0: Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Good morning. There you go. It's wonderful to see your smiling faces and to be here with you and worship and sing and have a coffee or a donut or all of that. Good deal. I like spring. I went out and wandered around our yard a bit today when it was 83 as opposed to snowing on Friday. I, you know, this is April in Colorado, right? And what's interesting is when I walked around, there were some things popping up. There were some little tiny things flowers that Ruth calls volunteers. They're down close to the ground. She calls them Johnny Jump-Ups. Anybody know what Johnny Jump-Ups are? You know what those are? And I'm saying, it's springtime. Johnny has jumped up. There it is. You know, we have crocuses. We have creeping thyme. We've got, the buds are starting to come on the the, uh, Japanese maple and the javelin pears and all those things I didn't know about before I married Ruth. And I'm starting to learn those names. And but just two weeks ago, when I looked at them, they looked dead. They were just brown. But apparently, they were just like sleeping. There's, then life shows up. In the DNA of a plant, there's something like a secret. And we're going to talk about secrets today. We're gonna, this is a mystery morning, okay? We're going to talk about mystery. The plant looks one way, but in the right conditions. When there's light and heat and moisture amazing things start to happen right there's beauty and color and fragrance and butterflies and bees that's kind of the story of mark mark's telling of the good news about jesus because he starts out very first verse in the gospel of mark saying this is the beginning Of the good news of jesus christ the messiah the son of god boom like that he hits us right at the front and then for the next what we call chapters because they didn't have chapters till about well for hundreds of years but now in those next 16 chapters he explains what he means by that and here's jesus he's just chosen these 12 guys we call them apostles they're the close-in guys And the crowd and the close-in guys see Jesus this way. He's from a little tiny town in a little tiny county in a little tiny country that's not even a major power. And he looks like a carpenter, looks like a stonemason. He's a rabbi, he's a teacher, so he looks like that. But over the next 30 months or so, as they walk with him 24-7, these 12 folks would when the timing and the conditions are right a whole new thing will be revealed and mark's gospel shows us that jesus revealing who he is and why he has come bit by bit not all at once bit by bit and he uses everyday things like easily seen and known you know and we'll talk about that just a little bit but here's the question for this morning Will they get it? Or how much will they understand? That's my question for me. Do I get it? How much do I understand? So Jesus has come in that first chapter of Mark, just those first few paragraphs, and he walks in. John, his relative who's six months older, John the Baptist, the guy that, crazy guy that comes out of the desert, he's got wild hair and clothing and eating funny stuff and calling a nation to repentance. The king didn't like him, the current king there, and so he's in jail, and Jesus comes and says, the time has come, the kingdom is near, turn around. The biblical word is repent, it means turn around, 180 degrees, and believe the good news. The point of the kingdom is that we believe, that we learn to trust, But I gotta tell you, this new kingdom challenges the listeners to the core. It challenges me to the core. So here's my first thought, I got a few thoughts, right? Here's my first one, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. He's the king of the kingdom. And again, you've heard me say this, you've heard others say this from this platform a bunch of times, and that is we are not, uh, as, as Americans, Our whole nation was built on the premise we don't want a king, because the kings will take your stuff and conscript your kids and do this and that and the other and take over your land and kings generally aren't good. So we'll do this other thing called the separation of powers where we have the legislature over here and the executive power over there and the courts over there. and So that'll make it all better. But the problem is apparently that in God's design for me, I'm built for a king. Internally, I like voting and all that, but I'm built for a king. And so if you were reading the Gospel of Matthew that's written to a Jewish audience, they don't call it the kingdom of God because if you're an Orthodox Jew, you don't say God. It's too holy a name. So when when you read Matthew, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. Back in 1893, there was a baby girl born to a pastor's family, in England. Her name was Dorothy, and she grew up to be a writer. Dorothy Sayers was her name. She lived till 1947. She was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis and uh, uh, Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings, those guys, and so forth. And um, she was a poet and a writer, and she went to Oxford And she earned a master's degree at Oxford, but they didn't give it to her, which is back in the teens of 1915, 16, because Oxford at that time didn't give degrees to women. So there you have it. And then she went on to write mysteries, British mysteries. Ruth and I love British mysteries. Crime novels, if you will, trying to figure out who done it, the butler in the library with the candelabra, whatever it is, you know, all that stuff. And then she started writing about theology. And this is what she wrote about the kingdom of heaven. And I've read this dozens of times, and I get to the end and I say, huh, this is what she wrote. The kingdom of heaven, said the Lord Christ, is among you. But what precisely is the kingdom of heaven? You cannot point to existing specimens saying, look here or look there. You can only experience it but what is it like so that when we experience it we may recognize it and she's pulling all these things from the text from the scriptures right well it is a change like being born again and relearning everything from the start it grows like seed And we've already had one parable about the sower and the seed and you'll have more next week and all that. It's precious like buried treasure, like a rich pearl, and you have to pay for it. It is new, yet in a sense it was always there, like turning out a cupboard and finding there your own childhood as well as your present self. Where it's equal, it seems unjust, and where it is just, it is clearly not equal. And she's talking about, some of you know the story of the vineyard where the guy hires guys and he hires people at eight in the morning and he pays them X number of whatever, dollars, shekels, whatever they did back then. And then he hires a guy for the last hour and he pays them the same as the guy who worked eight hours. And we're saying, hey, hey, what's that about? And that's what she's saying. Where is it e- Where it's equal, it seems unjust. And where it's just, it's clearly not equal. You get what you bargained for. It is before the foundation of the world old. It is to come. It is here and now. It is within you. Then my favorite line. It is recorded that the multitude sometimes fail to understand. Well, I guess. Really? I'm I'm there saying, what? How how does that work? Because my problem with what I just read is, that's me oftentimes I fail to understand. So I'm thinking, do I need a special code? Do I need language? Do I need a password? Maybe that's it. Maybe I need a pin, something. How do I get my head around this thing called the kingdom of God? And the answer for me is apparently I don't. But I do need to find a place for the kingdom of God in my heart. I may not be always able to intellectually grasp the why and the wherefore and how, especially when I'm beginning in the kingdom of God. But that's the secret of life, this growing thing, this DNA that that turns into something good. That's an amazing... So here's a king who has absolute authority, awesome creative power. He invites me to be in his family. What's that about? Well, it's too much for me to take in all at once. So the kingdom, this is my second thought, the, the kingdom is a secret revealed a little at a time. So he's chosen these 12 guys, and this is what he tells them back in 4, the same chapter, but a few verses ago. He told them the secret, and the word there is the root word for what we call a mystery. All right? The word is mysterium. The, the secret, the mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you. He's saying this to the 12. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And I say, well, I thought parables were so that I could understand. It gives me an image. Well, sometimes parables are told so you don't understand. And I'm saying, what is this? So, I mean, why a secret? If I were to say to you, you know, we're going to... Uh, We sort of have this new technology and we're gonna we've we found out some of your secrets and we're gonna put it up here on the screen and we're gonna start with you both and i'm going no 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 let's not do that because oftentimes when we think of secrets we think of bad things you know that's in my the, the great thing about this king of the kingdom is he knows all my secrets and he says why don't you let me take care of that why don't you let me wash away that those pieces and those places that haven't grown you, but in fact have debased you. Why don't you let me handle that? So, But, but there are some secrets that are, are good, and they have a surprise at the end. So some years ago, I turned 50. A lot of years ago, I turned 50, and I was president of a small college in California, and Ruth and I had made plans for my 50th birthday. It was, it was I was excited because we lived... Uh, in Santa, near Santa Cruz, California. Some of you know where that is. If you come south of San Francisco, there's a bay called Monterey Bay. It's a famous bay. And on the north end is Santa Cruz and on the south end is Pacific Grove. And just south of that is 17 mile drive. And if you're a golfer, it's where Pebble Beach is and all of that. And there's a little town called Carmel. It was originally an artist colony. And, and uh, Clint Eastwood was the uh, mayor for a time. So so you get wonderful art and dirty Harry all at the same place, you know, right? And so we made plans for the weekend that our, our brother and sister-in-law would come over and they would take us to Carmel. We'd spend the weekend together. We had our bags packed, put them in the car. And, and uh, just as we were leaving, Lana, our sister-in-law said, you know, I need to give some cash to Matt. He's in the dining commons, that's our son. He was in college at the time, let's just swing by. So he swung by, she goes up to give him cash comes running out and said, Dick, you have to come. We got two basketball players in a fight in here and they need you to come. And I said, what? They said, yes, these two guys are in a fight. I jump out of the car. I'm 50 and I'm still good. And I, and, I, and I run up into the dining commons, throw the door open. They have a video of this. Throw the door open and a 100 people say, surprise. Oh. I never got to Carmel. I was a little ticked. But I did get a 50-foot submarine sandwich. 50-foot submarine sandwich. And and they flew people in. And our daughter, Jenny, who's here somewhere, she was overseas uh, teaching English to medical students in Cambodia at the time. And they piped her in. This was way before cell phones. And And Ruth loved it. She was so excited because she got me. She kept a secret and she got me. And here's the king of the universe who has a secret that he tells me a little bit of the time, and at the end of the time he gets me, and I get him. There's something about that. But why would you do that a little at a time? I get to keep a secret, and boom, you get the big surprise. But why a little at a time? Well, probably has to be with capaci- About capacity. This is my faux thesis. Okay, I I don't I don't have the capacity. Because the kingdom is so vast, and so good, and so multifaceted, and so many colors, and so many unbelievable people, and so many, I don't have the capacity to take it all in at one shot, at the front end. It, 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 would, it would be like having a birthday party for a three or four year old, right? And the three or four year olds, they're, they're working with little cars, or with dolls, or in the dirt, or you're trying to find them four blocks down, because they leap the fences, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and you have a birthday party, and, and at the end you say, Johnny, we have the very best surprise. You're going to love this. We have gotten you a Maserati. <laughs> Johnny doesn't know how to spell yet or anything. He doesn't know what a Maserati is, and he couldn't drive one if he had one. It's just too much. The kingdom is too much for me to take all at one point. It's too much. And so Jesus unpacks it, if I could put it that way, by telling stories. The kingdom of God is like, and he's living in an agrarian culture, right? I mean, Palestine, Syria at that time was farms and fishing, essentially. And so he's sitting under trees, surrounded by fields. They've got vineyards and orchards. He's by the Sea of Galilee. And as he tells these stories about a sower and a seed, he's looking over and a guy's sowing in the field. He tells a story about a fishing net or something. They're going mending their nets over there. So, but here in the text, he, he, he uses a lot of fishing and farming stories. But he gets to these five verses. And we just have a few sentences that sort of boggle my mind that we're dealing with today. This is in Mark, the fourth chapter. And he shifts gears just for a couple of, just for a couple of minutes. And, and he, he essentially stops talking about the message of the kingdom and starts talking about, so how does that, how does that look? How do, we, how do we express that or work with that? And it's a challenging space in the, in the Scriptures. i got to tell you this. There are numbers of interpretations. You can read a lot of commentaries and Scripture scholars, and you get different ideas about these particular verses. There's a bunch of them. This is how it reads. Mark 4, 21 to 23 in the New Living Translation. Then, then Jesus asked them the disciples, would anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. Now, I don't, I don't have a lamp. We're going to show you a picture in just a minute of a lamp. Not just yet. But, but I have this flashlight that worked in the first service, but then it didn't. It, so. But that's a lamp right there. But you don't, you don't put this here and put that on it what you do is you put this here use that as a stand and put that on it and so it says for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to light anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand when i grew up sometimes the preachers that I heard use this verse about every secret will be brought to light. They beware your sins, will find you. And I'm saying, I know, I know, I know, right? So it was all sort of a threat. But that's not what this is saying. He's talking about the nature of the kingdom of God being a secret, a mystery that has to be unspooled, if you will, or revealed. And then this line that you hear quite a bit in the Gospels, Anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's a, it's, a, it's a challenge. In our language, we would say, listen up. That's what, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So he illustrates it with two things, the oil lamp and the, and the basket. And a Middle East oil lamp looks like this. It's that look. It's a small deal. But lamps, and, and it's a small house. These people didn't live in 2,300 square feet houses these people lived in a little space. You know, if you had 300 square feet, maybe, right? And so this was designed to give light, not a lot of light. Now, if it's pitch black, because they don't have an electric grid in Palestine's area, just a little light can give a lot of light, right? But they're not, whatever light they give, they're not designed to be under a bed or under a basket. And light's a symbol, right? Light is a symbol of Holiness and knowledge and goodness and wisdom and grace and hope and the revelation of God. So the question is, what are my options in understanding this text? Let me just give you two or three options. All right? Maybe Jesus is saying, you got the light in the Ten Commandments thousands of years ago. But people have added on to it. They're called scholars or Pharisees, or they've added their own laws and stuff, and it's blocked the light from you, like putting light under a basket. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Or, maybe Jesus is saying, I'm the lamp. I'm the lamp. The light's in me, and I'm going to show you some of me, and I want you to share that. I'm just going to give you a little of me to look at, and you can share that. Years ago, there was a what we would call a revival that swept Latin America. And it, it was just this huge thing, hundreds of thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus. And when somebody has said, well, what's the methodology? How do you do that? You know, Do you have big crusades with big preachers? They said, no, when somebody comes to faith, we just say, whatever you understand just now about Jesus and why you came to faith, you go back to your village and you tell your neighbor that. I mean, because you can't tell them other stuff, that's all you know, so do that. So maybe that's what Jesus is saying. Or how about this one, how about this thought? Because the kingdom is about believing, maybe Jesus is saying, trust me in this moment, because there's more to come. Big surprise, more to come. Like a road trip, some of you have, how many parents here have taken kids on a road trip? Uh huh. How many of you got therapy after? You know, we before before vans, there were these things called station wagons. This is for you younger folks. Station, they were like a car but with a box. And 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 so we every other year we'd go from Illinois to California to see family, and and we had this one was a Plymouth Fury. Anybody remember what a Plymouth Fury? they were huge, and then you got seven and a half miles to the gallon. It was wonderful, and you and we, we would put a mattress in the back and put the kids in the back and we'd take off. And we would drive from Urbana, Illinois, to Shamrock, Texas. Nobody knows where Shamrock, Texas is. These guys know where Shamrock, Texas is. It's an hour, it's an hour east of, of uh, Amarillo, right? And the Old Ranger Motel, we stopped there because they had a slide. In, I don't know what it was, $12 a night. I have no idea what it was. But But we would do that, and we'd say stuff to the kids like, we're going to have some fun on this trip. We're not going to tell you what it is right now, but as we go along, you're going to see. We're going to have some, maybe that's the kingdom, a God who comes along and says, we're going to have joy in this trip, but I I can't unlock it all for you until you take the next step, until you keep going. So not everything can be grasped right now or should be because insights are built on each other. That's how it is. Had somebody come to me after first service and uh, said, you know, I never thought of the kingdom this way. He said, I'm an engineer. And in engineering, you lay down one thing so you can lay down another thing and lay down another thing. And he said, it was a wonderful statement. He said, I had the thought that when I stepped into the kingdom, I was supposed to get the whole thing at the same time. Well, that's not what Jesus either did or what he's saying here and it's helpful for me to know that so what i have experienced in the kingdom of god in my years is this the kingdom is a growing thing it's not like buying a phone it's not like getting a piece of carpet it's life and life is always a growing thing isn't it i mean it's learning it's exploring it's assessing it's figuring out it's digging down it's stepping out um and in the kingdom, you can have a seed that's planted way back here that for whatever reasons may not germinate till way over here. What's with that? Well, because no two people are alike. I guess that's what that's about. So back in the 70s, I'm on a flight from Chicago to Memphis. I'm a young blower and goer, and I got my stuff together, and I, know, and I sit down next to a business guy about my age he was a sales manager for a large company in the southeast and a good-looking dude you know blonde-haired guy wore his aviator glasses for the whole flight we started talking i don't always talk on airplanes but we started talking and along the way i felt i should ask him this question i don't know if i've ever asked anybody this question on a plane before and it was so, John, in your life, what would be your top three goals? And he looked at me and said, uh, uh, what, why don't you tell me your top three, Dick, first, and then I'll tell you mine. Clearly stalling for time. But he threw me a curveball because I wasn't ready to tell him my top three, whatever those were. But anyway, I, I gave him these three. I said, I always want to find myself in the kingdom of God, Always want to have tight relationships with people. And I never want to stop adventuring my whole life. And he looked at me and said, I think, I think those would be my three, too. <laughs> and then he grinned at me and said, and could I make $100,000 this year? He said, sure, yeah, you can make. And back in the 70s, 100 grand was like money, right? And then he looked at me and said, you know, that kingdom of God thing, he said, he said, I knew about the kingdom of God when I, I, I found out about it when I went to a summer camp in Mississippi when I was 11 years old. But when I got to high school, and that was a good year that summer, that, that, that time frame. But when I got to high school and into college, I've kind of just gone off. And he said, now when I, when I fly out and go on business trips, a place like Detroit or New York or wherever, I get a room in a motel and I get a bottle and he went on to detail some other things. And uh, he said, I know, I know it's not right. It's like a secret. And I had the privilege of saying, you know, well, the, the kingdom that you heard about when you were 11, that's the God who takes care of the secrets that restores you. I won't go into the details except that that day on flight, whatever it was, Delta, a kid who had a seed planted when he was 11 circled back and just a shoot of that popped up. I called him later to see how it was going. It was going. There's something about the kingdom that's profound. It's a growing thing. I have a favorite saying about age. And that it's not mine. I borrowed it, of course. And that is that people don't grow old. When we stop growing, we are old. People don't grow old. When you stop growing, you are old. So Jesus tells us then the way to grow in understanding. And these are the next two verses, and I'll just hurry along here. And he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. In the original it says, with the measure you use, he's talking about listening here, with the measure you use, you will get more, even more than with the measure. So, this measure, if this were a bushel basket back in the day, they would use this to go to the market to get dry goods. They get wheat and barley and this, right? And this, a bushel basket, was uh, eight gallons. At least here in this country, is eight gallons, so it's a good chunk. And he's saying, however well you listen, you know, what's your measuring stick, right? He says, with the measure you use, that's how it will come back to you. So when I ask the question, what's my measuring tool for understanding? What's my basket today? I have a great word for you. Okay, here's the word. We don't use it very much anymore. It's ponder. Ponder means to consider with other things in view. Ponder, given these circumstances, giving this drill down. Think about it. When you read Luke, the second chapter, and Mary is gonna have this baby out of wedlock, if you will. It says that she pondered these things in her heart. In the same chapter, in one chapter, Jesus goes from baby to 12 years old, and they're at Passover, and his parents lose him at Passover in Jerusalem. They can't find him, like, for four days. They're going home, they travel day. And they say, where's Jesus? Because it's sort of a village takes care of you. And they go back, and they can't find him for three days. And I'm saying, why can't they find him for three days? Well, they're looking all over. They're looking by the creek. They're looking down. Uh, the, the, the last place you'd probably look for a 12-year-old would be the temple. And that's where they find him. And he says to her, I need to be about my father's business. And it says, and, G- and Mary pondered, treasured these things in her heart. So that's pondering. And I... In our culture, if in fact we need to ponder, here's Jesus' thought. We grow by listening and considering with care. The language says, hear me and consider it carefully. We grow by listening and considering with care, whatever it is, whatever the information, whatever the truth. And going deep in a shallow world like we have today isn't easy. There are scores of voices calling to me. You know this. I mean, all the networks, all the media outlets. We got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, even something called DuckDuckGo. You got LinkedIn, Messenger. You got all of these things spewing out gazillion words and ideas a day. And here's my thought if the enemy can get me scattered, if he can distract me, he wins. And Jesus is saying, don't be distracted. Ponder Jesus' words. Don't hurry. Even in the text, don't hurry on to the next thing. If I could say it in two words to myself, it's both. Three words. Both. Stop scrolling. Stop doing this. Oh, there's an idea. Well, there's another idea. Well, there's another. He's saying, stay there. Ponder it. Stew in it. Let it seep into your pores. But what's the deal with this part? If you don't listen, you'll lose the little that you heard. What's that about? That sounds kind of harsh, kind of cold. It's at least annoying. But what if it's true about life? I would submit to you that is true about life. This week, I met a friend. I don't know him well, We're just getting to know him business guy, who told me about a class that he took at a university in Southern California back in the 80s in business law. I've never taken a class in law or business law. But he said, I took this class, and the guy who taught it was not a regular faculty, he was adjunct. That means he had like a a job outside the university, in the marketplace, in the cutthroat arena of the business world. And a lot of it is a cutthroat arena of the business world. And when he walked into class, he walked in, he was affable, he was kind, but he, but he, had, he was weighty. He, he had gravitas. He was serious about what he was teaching. And this is what he said to us. He said, this is our textbook. You will read two chapters a week. There are five case studies of business enterprise in each of those chapters. So each time you come to class, 10 case studies, and I expect you to read them and be ready to discuss them. If I call on you and you have not read them, what you need to say to me is, I am unprepared. And he said, you say that to me the first time, I'll give you a pass. If the next week I call on you and you say, I am unprepared, I give you another pass. But the third week, if you say to me, I am unprepared, you lose an entire grade. And if you say you're prepared and I start talking to you and it's clear that you're just blowing smoke, that you are not prepared, you lose a whole grade. He said we were going, whoa, because our other classes weren't like that. You could dance and do whatever, you know, sort of make it through, but not this guy. And he said what happened was our whole class stepped up because he was saying, I want you to understand this. I want you to drill down and get it right and he said i use those principles from that one three unit class to this day that was in the 80s so we're talking 45 years later we dug in and we use that lesson to this day so how do i measure how do i do this what's my basket my basket is listen don't move on in a hurry talk to other people Because when I say, what's this verse about? I was on a Zoom call on Friday, and somebody made the comment, well, what do you think about that? And I said, well, what do you think about it? What's your thought on that? You chew on it. You read it. It helps. Why? Because it helps you believe. It strengthens the trust muscle. The kingdom is at hand. Turn around and believe the good news. If you don't work your trust muscle, if you don't work any muscle, what happens? It goes away. Nobody has to make it go away. It's called atrophy. And Jesus is just saying, my kingdom is not, it doesn't have a lot of atrophied people in it. My, my, the way my world is, is the, the more you dig in, the better it gets. So for years, Jesus revealed himself in his ways, bit by bit and gradual, and those who stayed close got the benefit and i just like to submit to you as we close our time, nothing has changed. It's still bit by bit. It's still gradual. It's still about, as we say today, leaning into. What's the, I don't get that. T- talk to me about grace. I mean, what, what's with the forgiveness? Because I wouldn't forgive that guy. What, you know? How does that work? That's, that's exercising the trust muscle, if you will. The closer you stay and the longer you stay, the more... You trust. Closing thought: Next time you go to an ATM machine, think of this name. You probably forget it when you get out the door, but I'm just—you can put it on video and check it again. Tom Patterson, one T. Tom Patterson was a VP for RCA. He uh, he helped the Disney brothers develop Space Mountain. He was an innovator in ATM technology. I met him when he was. 90 or a little older. He had had a great life following Jesus and a tough life following Jesus. Five children. His little girl had died of leukemia when she was 10 or 11. Two other adult children died one in an auto accident, one in a plane crash. Two wives had died of cancer. And I'm sitting with him in his 90s here in Windsor. He's now with the Lord, here, not in Windsor, but here in Fort Collins. And I said, Tom, What's the secret? What's the, what's the deal with this life in Jesus? And he just looked at me, said a couple of things, but then he said this word, surrender. The more time you spend, the closer you are, the deeper you dig, the more of you you surrender to the king of the universe, and the more of who you are designed to be you become. That's how it works. So... I just, I just call us today to ponder and let God do His thing in us. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for these friends. Thank you for the fact that what well, we think are secrets are wiped out by your shed blood. What. What we discover about your secret is that it keeps going and going and going, and we keep getting little surprises along the way, and I understand there's going to be a big one at the end that's all good. Thank you for every person in the sound of my voice. Help us to not scroll too fast in our lives so that we miss what life is about. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit timberlinechurch.org slash connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.